You're listening to the Comic Book Informer Podcast with Vince and Raj, a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs. You know who you are. Now here's your host, Raj. Hello and welcome to the Comic Book Informer Podcast. This is Roger coming to you on Tuesday, the 12th of August. And with me, as per usual, Vince, how you doing? You practiced that intro so you wouldn't screw it up, didn't you? I had to, dude. My brain is barely working. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that came I off way too smoothly for a fresh so read. hard to try to do it well. <laughs> Jesus. You know, the worst sounds you can hear from your dog when it's laying on your lap is... It's like, don't you dare. Don't, what are you going to do? Put your hands, cup your hands underneath her mouth as she just throws up? She's small if you could just like pitch her into the nearest trash can. She, she Actually, it's full. Otherwise, I might have. But yeah, over the side of the chair, onto the ground, onto a little ottoman thing too. They're just... Blech. And it, the worst thing is... Not that I'm mean to my dog. She's treated like a freaking princess. Both of them are. But still, you can't even get mad at her. It's not her fault. <laughs> it's not like she popped a squat and left a deuce for me in the middle of the room where you're like, bad. It's not her fault. It's not even that she ate grass or anything. She just, I think she's just sick. So that being said... <laughs> And there now being that bleach smell in the room, let's proceed with the podcast. Brilliant segue. Oh, dude, shut up. <laughs> this is going to be one for the archives where it's like, I don't even want to think about an episode 180. <laughs> Last week we talked a lot about Guardians, and so I thought it'd be a good time to actually go back and touch on a recent storyline that we covered a little bit of but we didn't actually cover all of and that was the trial of gene gray now part of the reason at least why i didn't bring it up is because i thought the concept as a whole was somewhat stupid and and frankly that opinion hasn't really changed but i didn't see it as that an event that would hold my interest that long or that again i'm willing to suspend disbelief for a long time for a lot of different things. But there's that point where even I kind of go, oh, come on. And I've made that clear. If you've been listening to the podcast for 180 episodes, you know that now. But I'm willing to go along with a lot of things. Talking raccoon and tree, to a certain degree, I'll go along with. So when this came out, even though I adored, we adored the all-new X-Men, I really kind of just skipped over this, and I didn't bother reading it. Now having seen Guardians and kind of wanting to read more about that, and now that I know a little bit more about the characters, albeit the movie interpretations of the characters, but still, I'm willing to give it a little bit more leeway and get into some of those storylines. So I thought, well, let's go back and do the Charles of Jean Grey, which crossed over some all-new X-Men as well as Guardians of the Galaxy, written by Bendis, and... As I said again, the premise as a whole is is not only ludicrous, but it's it for me felt like a very shoehorned way of combining the two teams. That said, that combination of the two teams, once they're forced together like this, it does kind of work. 
and you have a lot of interesting character dynamics between the teams. Yeah, the first two issues were fairly awkward because, like you said, and I'll agree, the premise itself was pretty goofy, and they didn't they didn't even try to like explain why Gladiator of all people would have this idea in mind. Like, if they just given him a reason for thinking this way, it, it would have helped. But yeah, what like you said, once it got rolling, those last four issues were fairly entertaining. Yeah, so like you were saying, Galactus decides, or not Galactus, <laughs> what the hell's his name again? Gladiator. Gladiator. Once again, people, I <laughs> it's going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> Gladiator decides that he is going to put her on trial for the atrocities that the Phoenix, or that Gene, committed while possessed by this Phoenix force. And so he goes and, well, he has a team go and kidnap her as well as some of... No, they actually, they they bubbled up some of the X-Men, but they got away. They left them there. The the Guardians showed up and they kind of nabbed up some of the X-Men, including X-23, which was cool. Always like it when they bring her along. She tags along. And, uh, and wasn't it like issue five where Star-Lord went, I just now noticed you were here. Yeah. <laughs> I, she was underused. I mean, y- there was a few comments between her and... Was it uh, Gamora or the other chick? I think it was an exchange with both and then another little thing at the end with Drax. Yeah, so it's like, I think they could have done a lot more because, I mean, you you could put her in the Guardians team with the others and she'd fit right in. Whereas the other ones, there's much more of a clash between the different personalities. I mean, X-23 would fit right in there perfectly. It would be fun, actually, if she tagged along. Hell, they sent Cyclops off with his father. Why not leave her with the Guardians for a little while, bounce around? I don't think Wolverine would like that very much. Too bad. He's been all over the freaking place. Been to hell and back. He's got nothing to complain about. For now. (laughs) (laughs) so anyways the guardians nab up the junior x-men leaving the others behind which there's another point where they don't really explain okay why didn't the senior members who could obviously do a lot more damage and be more useful in an interplanetary fight go along instead of these junior members. Like folks have to remember that these guys here were stripped right from when they were kids first starting. They, they, they don't only had a few battles under their belt. So now all of a sudden it's like, we'll, we'll just let them go in with these, these guardians. They know what they're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they conveniently, I don't want to say even wrote them out. They were just not home. I know. Which again, so it's not like they were there, and well, then Kitty was they just there. got left behind. Kitty was well, there. Yeah, well, yeah, Kitty's been with the all-new team. She's not part of Cyclops' team. Regardless, I mean, they could have brought everybody, made it. Th- anyways, once again, my point being forcing something, forcing teams together, and we've already established how much I hate that, and so you got to get past that. Anyways, um, the uh, then you wind up having all of these other galactic forces, including old Peter Quill's old man butting his nose in because he finds out what's going on and that Peter's going to be getting in the way and whatnot. I That's another thing that I don't know the full history between him and his, his old man. Obviously, it's not good. 
Well, that's something that's been built up more recently because in in the older versions of the Star-Lord character, he wasn't the son of the Spartax. It was like a genetic experiment that just gave him some of their qualities. It wasn't until recent interpretations that they actually made him a descendant of uh, the Emperor. Right. So basically, he just doesn't want any of it because uh, Jason left him and his mom on Earth and his mom got killed. So he doesn't, he's not too happy with his dad, so he just kind of tries to avoid him. Yeah, but his old man doesn't sound like he wants anything to do with him either. He wants him as far as he's the heir to the Empire. He just wants him to be less of a jerk. <laughs> doesn't he, he, he wants him to live his way, and that's the, uh, that's the abrasion there. Okay. You actually get a lot of that in the more recent uh, Guardians of the Galaxy issues if you haven't caught up. I actually I haven't, but I will be. There's a couple other series right now that I'm getting caught up on that I'd been lagging behind. So once I get caught up on those, I do intend on reading all of the the Guardians to get caught up. I'm I'm hoping that I'll enjoy them all, but we'll see. I I really get little use for the Angela character who is quite obviously only there for the artists and for the readers, the young readers. Does she get more interesting? Is there a reason other than... The, the massive, massive cleavage and lack of clothing. They're working on that now in the Thor and Loki miniseries. God. So, yeah. <laughs> so that, Doesn't Quill even make a joke about that in this? I think he does, actually. I, it's... Anyways. Yeah. Um, the, 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 again, quote-unquote trial itself. That's why this part of the discussion is actually not going to last all that long because not a lot happens here (laughs) and you can't blame it just on the fact that it's so few issues. It's just that you have, again, you have so many pages that you can use per comic and a lot of the space is used up with the, this, you know, inter-team squabbling or chit-chatting or things like that or the dramatic moments kind of that they they make it out to seem where what's his face gladiator is being a douchebag with everybody or quill's father is you know being a pompous ass so there's not a lot of actual substance to the entirety of the story, even the 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 moments where Jean is mind speaking with her, her I guess you can call it her attorney, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> you're not getting the um, like the interpersonal revelations that you would expect and things like that. So, with the exceptions of like, there's. The, the the battles are justifiably quite cool. The you know the the big moments where you see where you do see Jean uh, kind of coming to terms with what she is going to do or what she would have done had she not been there and things like that. There's just there's still so little substance that, in my opinion, even though it was forced this idea just to put the two together. Once you force them in, then I would think then at that point, really use it. Don't waste it. You, you, you force this in now, at least make us really, really give us an amazing event because of that. And personally, I didn't feel that 
at all at any point. Yeah, the actual story itself was approximately maybe one issue's worth <laughs> because, yeah, like you said, it's not there. It was the, uh, everything else was just filled out with you know, spectacle and comedy, which I'm all for that. I enjoy spectacle and comedy. But, yeah, it was very light on story because of that. And then the other thing, too, of course, is it was used as a vehicle to reintroduce Scott with his father. So that winds up taking a lot of the story as well. So, I mean, you, you literally have several pages worth of the backstory of what happened there and then them kind of hugging it out. So you're looking at four pages in a 22 issue comic devoted to that. And I'm, I'm just talking about this one in, in particular. Mm-hmm. There was also more mentions. That's a lot of page real estate. I mean, a few pages later, they're talking yet again. Oh, look, they're talking yet again. And he's walking away. Oh, look, they're now it's Cyclops and X-23 kind of hugging it out. So for the trial of Jean Grey, you're actually getting a lot of Scott coming to terms with seeing his father again. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but when your main storyline is already being held by a thread and having to compete with the attention of the two teams coming together, that little banter, the few little fights, and then this, it feels way too spread out and not nearly focused enough so that, once again, the trial of Jean Grey really is not all that much about a trial between with Jean Grey. <laughs> yeah, this crossover is one of the most Bendis comics I've read in a long time. And it's not anything against Bendis. He has his style. Just sometimes he gets a little too caught up in the character work. And as much as I love the character work, I can't say anything bad about it here or anywhere else. It absolutely dominated the larger storylines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and it's, we love Bendis's work. And and part of the reason why I wanted to read this and part of the reason why I I, I still I don't want to say I dislike this. I enjoyed it, but only yeah. mildly. It was just kind of, well, it's not bad. It's all right. But it's not that I had a hatred for anything in it in particular. But what winds up happening is, like you're saying, it's it's all about the characters, the interpersonal relationships between them, and nearly nothing about the story. And you can't do that. There has to be a much better balance between the two. And unfortunately, that's just not here. Yeah. And then you wind up at the end with Scott going toe-to-toe with Gladiator, which made me laugh, let's be honest here, and saying, you know what, next time, it it was a good little speech. I just brought all these here in two days kind of thing and and, uh, and whatnot, and you do this again, I'm coming after you, and flip, flip page, I'm going off with my dad. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second there. (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. And again, I know this is all set up to lead to into the Cyclops series. But then if that's what you're going to do, then don't have Cyclops given this speech that he cares that much about her, that if he gladiator dares come after her again, he'll put everyone together. Well, you're not going to be able to put everyone together because you're going to be on freaking Timbuktu planet off in who knows what galaxy with your old man. So it didn't work. And 
having like if I hadn't read any of the Cyclops or known that was what was going on, then okay, it's a good little end until you flip the page and it's like he's gone and you're going like, well, what the hell? So I found that fairly stupid as well. Yeah, but you also got the part with Groot and Rocket at the end. Yes. They, yeah. Put some pants on. <laughs> so so that's the event. And as as I said, it does lead into the Cyclops series. Um, that is, uh, it just finished the, the third issue. And uh, that's from Rucka. And uh, who's doing the art for this again? Uh, Russell Dodderman. The art is actually quite good. Very nice. I mean, it's not spectacular, but it's actually quite good, especially considering the um, the different locales and, and things like that. More so than the uh, the the art, it's the color. Chris Sotomayor. Mm-hmm. The the art the colors are spectacular. Really, really nice. Anyways, this is with Cyclops and his old man basically bouncing around the galaxies and what what we're seeing so far now is that already by issue three the wide-eyed wonder has kind of worn off and scott is understanding that it's not just the boyhood fantasy of bouncing between planets now because everywhere they go someone wants to kill them so he's seeing his old man for the again quote unquote pirate that he is wanted by everybody and also there's the until he finds out later he believes his father's also addicted to some some manner of drug that he sees him injecting so i i i love Rucka's work i mean we've talked about how many times on different episodes with a whole bunch of different uh, issues that he's worked on. So I like his work and I like that he's, he's taken a concept that again, could be, could you could fall too easily onto cliches of the, the field of dreams. You want to have a pitch dad kind of thing. And instead is, is, Keeping Scott as the child that he still is, which let's be honest, he's, he's not, he's still a teenager. He's still a child, but still is strong enough in character, having never had that father, that he's not afraid to stand up for lack of a better term, stand up to the old man and tell him what he thinks at points, especially once you get to the, the third, third issue. So that's been my take on it. What about you? The most impressive thing about this is just the sheer amount of story Rooka has put into three issues. Kind of the exact opposite of what we're seeing, what we saw in Trial of Jean Grey, where, I mean, I can think of certain other comics where the amount of story development that we've gotten here in three issues would have been 12 issues somewhere else. Like I said, I knew coming in that, uh, well, not knew, but suspected that Rooka was only going to be a part-timer on this series. Like I said, he's busier doing his own things so i i didn't think he was going to stick around that long and you can definitely see that here of he has a certain goal in mind with all of the things he wants to establish for these characters and he is just cranking through it like you look at where it started and like how far the story progressed in each individual issue like there was entire story arcs within each issue not within each 
you know, paperback as they, as they tend to write stories nowadays. So the thing that I'm liking, which again, like you're saying, is opposite of the problem that we had with Bendis, is that we're having these these fantastic moments between Scott and his old man, and to a lesser degree, Scott and the team as well, although that was more so in the the first issue, not as much in the, in the last two. The rug is really concentrating on Scott and his old man, which I like that. I'm, I'm good with that. I think that there's not enough comics that actually deal with that kind of thing. Whenever anybody's got a superpower, all of a sudden it's just them against the world kind of thing, or them and their teammates, and you're not seeing as much of the relationships with the the parents from that point on because a lot of these are still kids with the How exception many superheroes of superheroes that you can think of even have dads yeah really <laughs> they're a rare commodity and when they do have them they're jerks yeah or something bad is going to happen to them real soon so so i'm really enjoying that so even though yeah i mean He's, he's his console man is not without his faults either. Apparently, he still. It's more that he's tortured by everything that he's been through than he's you know a deadbeat dad. Although it's borderline at points kind of things, but he's trying at least to have that relationship. And then when you're seeing the in inside of that, you're having these fantastic adventures. And I mean, it's it's not always in depth adventures like, say, for example, the the third issue kind of thing. But it's still it's something that keeps you turning the page to see what's going to happen. And meanwhile, what's holding it together is the the, the relationship story. And now knowing that again, they're going to be stuck on this planet for who knows how long, having to deal with a lot of things because God is still not all right with the old man never having come back for him. And, and then on top of that, now he knows that the old man is dying. So again, there's a lot of things going on here, but it's, it's very well handled. And I don't know if it's because there's less balls in the air and that's why Rucka can do a better job at it. Or it's just that he's point blank doing a better job at it. Probably a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah. All right. You got anything else to say on those? I just really like one of the highlights that stood out to me was their little fireside chat yeah. when uh, Corsair was talking about Gabriel and, you know, he knew Alex and Scott grew up to be OK, but there was that son that he didn't know about and, you know, saw what he grew into. It's just a really powerful character moment. Yeah. Yeah. There were a lot. When is it? Layman's taken over as of. Issue I think six. issue seven is his first, I think. Okay, so Ruck is on till six. So I don't know how long they'll be stuck on the planet till then, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're stuck on the planet till then. Only got 27 then. days. So, yeah. All right, moving on to what we're reading. Rocket Raccoon. Let's may as well stick with freaking Guardians for now. <laughs> <laughs> Did you read the second one? I have not yet. Oh, okay. Well... So the first one was fun, but not necessarily something that's going to be grabbing my interest on a regular basis. You know what's funny is that the freaking tables have turned here because I really enjoyed the first one. And not because it was overly indulgent, but because I, I really kind of thought it was a lot of fun. And, and it was light and goofy without dipping into the Deadpool mentality of what 
defines goofy. It was still fun, not overly intelligent, but it was still fun and not stupid. Put it that way. It's a fine line. <laughs> no, I, I'm definitely in agreement with you as far as you know how much I enjoyed the first one. I just haven't gotten the second yet. Yeah. So the second one is is just as fun. In fact, I, I preferred this one over the 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 first one. I because he's in jail at this point here now, which isn't spoiling anything for you, but obviously he needs to kind of get out of jail as well to for his master plan. But just his interactions with the other people in his cell <laughs> is worth buying this cartoon for. That and the prison break montage, that's, that's almost frame-worthy. That two-panel spread. <laughs> so that was awesome. Did you read The Last Invincible? I did. As a matter of fact, it was on my list until I saw it was on your list. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. What did you think? I really enjoyed it. I loved it. And mm. I like we talked about last issue, how they seem to have forgotten the plot point with Mark and what's-her-name. Yeah. But now we see that is absolutely not the truth. Oh, you know what's funny is that it's not funny, but what's funny is that <laughs> when he is talking to her, and it's funny because of me, folks, okay? When he's talking to, damn it, why do I always forget her name? His wife. Eve. Eve, damn it. When he's talking to Eve and she grabs his arm yes. and pulls her and he pulls away and and is walking away. I actually had to read it a couple of times to because I was like, well, what the hell was that all about? And then it dawned on me. It's like, oh, okay. So he didn't forget about it because unfortunately I kind of had because it wasn't addressed. And mm -hmm. so as I was reading it, I was just kind of caught up in the story. And then the moment it, it dawned on me and then I read it again and was like, oh, okay. Well done. Well done. And then especially afterwards, when you're seeing him having to talk to her, not Eve, but the, that woman again, um, although I think that could have been handled a little differently, but we don't know where the story's going or what he's planning on doing. But even just that moment with with Eve, and Oddly did a fantastic job with the character expressions, the facial expressions, so that you... You, there's a lot going on behind here, which is, again, had it not been for that, I would have kind of skimmed over it and thought, oh, it's just between him and Eve. And But I'm looking at the faces, I'm going, what the hell is going on here? And then, again, it dawned on me. Phenomenal issue. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I mean, and then the larger storyline is still yeah. awesome as well. But well, yeah, the, it's it's those small, subtle things that are really elevating what they're doing with Mark right now to another level. Yeah. And the stuff going on between Mark's old man and robot. And it's like, you don't know if they will strike a deal towards the end. Cause they're not the nicest of aliens. Let's be honest. <laughs> they have their own agenda. So it was like, holy crap. And then everything going on with the existing superheroes, what's his face flying off with his arm missing. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, there's that. And then monster being saved. And it was like, oh, oh. I, cause I thought she was, a, she was a goner. So it's, 
it's kind of cool that she won't be. So yeah, this is, it, it was an impressive issue. I liked it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, last one for me, and this is, I dug this sucker out. <laughs> out of the archives. <laughs> Just no kidding. Be, I, I, from 1996. But I saw, I'm a sucker for these. I am. Even though I know most of them are terrible, it was the name that just sucked me in. And I thought, ooh, this might be fun. And it was Bruce Wayne, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And this was an amalgamation between Marvel and DC. They did that for a little while. Hell, it was published under Amalgam Comics. And it was an alternate reality if the characters existed in each other's universes. So it's not like it's the Bruce Wayne that you know and love or maybe deal with or, you know, well, although Nick Fury's the same <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the characters are different because they grew up in different circumstances and things like that. Like Bruce's folks actually weren't just killed in an alley. They were spies and got killed by the green skulls. So because of that, he joined shield he used his money and influence to basically work his way up and nick fury trained him and then from there it was a constant trying to take down the green skull and uh, and you even have um like uh not not nightwing or or, or bad girl but you have those characters in there as well as different other masked superheroes working with him and of course bruce is just bruce he's not batman so was it's just dark claw in that what's that was dark claw in there dark claw i think so dark claw is one of the most yes. hilarious things from amalgam it's what if wolverine was batman no hold on a second here the dark oh hold on a second here i was looking at it oh yeah in the dark yeah that was actually in another one i didn't read that one that was yeah just whenever somebody says the word amalgam that's the image that instantly pops into my mind you know what's funny is that this actually wasn't bad i mean it was it was fun to read because of the the differences between the characters and who we know them to be and who they would be in this universe i mean you have they they kind of played on the same kind of characters events happening to different characters like jason todd dying just dying differently and coming back again as a type of villain whatnot. Um, and you have Venom in there as well and Barbara and, and things like that. It was, it was interesting actually. I, I kind of enjoyed it. It was, it was really hokey, very much nineties art as well with women bending ways that women don't bend <laughs> to Leafield school of art here. But, uh, but no, it was still fun to read actually. So that's it for me. What have you got? Just allow me to warn you. Stop there. <laughs> well, I wasn't planning on reading a whole lot more. I think you may have inadvertently started with the high point. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, first of all, Uncanny Avengers. I know you haven't been keeping up with it. No. But uh, I think it was issue 22 came out a couple weeks ago. Finally finishing the story arc that Remender started in like issue five, I think. <laughs> this has been another one of those Remender epics that honestly, like... Unlike Dark Angel Saga, which was kind of split up into a, a bunch of smaller storylines, if you will, this was just – I have to go back and read the whole thing because by the time it ended, I forgot how it begun because it's been over a year. <laughs> so I 
there was a lot of solid stuff in here, a lot of really fun moments and character twists and turns, and the storyline was ludicrous at points, but I honestly don't know how I feel about the overall storyline and how it is done. Hmm. Okay. I'm surprised you did not mention Superior Spider-Man. I didn't read it. <laughs> Remember when Superior was going on, and every time they'd touch on a Peter Parker story, we go, oh, man, I miss Peter. Well, this is the one that makes you go, oh, man, I miss Otto. <laughs> but this is the actual, like, this is chapter zero of the Spider-Verse because it's, I don't want to tell you exactly what's going on, but basically the story ends up with Doc jumping dimensions and gathering up a crew of Spider-Men to work with. And it's as hilarious as you could imagine. Okay. I'll be reading that tonight. And then I finished the last issue of The Wake, which, as we remember, was the Eisner winner for Best Limited Series. And I loved the first nine issues. I thought it was a fun story, very unexpected, but like it's one of those stories where as the plot points came together, it all clicked into place and like it gave you a better appreciation for everything that came before. Issue 10 did not do that for me. Issue 10 was like 15 pages of exposition, like plot points completely out of nowhere, like where one of the characters is just literally talking to one of the others for pages on end, telling them what the whole story was about. So it was nine great issues and the last issue did not stick the landing at all for me. Yeah. So it, it was to the point where once I finished it, I had no idea what the story was about anymore because it was I, – I don't know if it's something that needed more issues to tell the story he wanted or if this was his plan <laughs> to just have this giant exposition dump, but it, it wasn't a good look. Okay. And that's it for me. Okay. All right. So this week on the Marvel side, we've got all-new X-Men number 30, Amazing Spider-Man number 5, Amazing X-Men number 10, Hulk number 5, Inhuman number 3, Nightcrawler number 5, Nova Special number 1. Spider-Man 2099, number two. United States of Murder, Inc., number four. Wolverine 11. Wolvie and his peeps, number seven. X-Force, number eight. And X-Men, number 18. If that doesn't break your bank, we've got Burn the Orphanage, Reign of Terror, number four of five. Dead at 17, The Blasphemy Throne, number one of seven. I just put that in because it's a new one from Image. Why not? Sex Criminals, number seven. And Skull Kickers, number 30. Those are, of course, all from Image. And then... From the others, we've got, and I put this in for you, Godzilla Cataclysm, number Yay. one of five from IDW. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 37 from IDW as well. Transformers Primacy? Primacy? What are we going to say? Whatever. I'm, I believe Primacy. Primacy? Number one. What is that going to be? I have no, no idea. idea. Okay. Well, it's a new one from IDW, and they did well with these properties. So, And Archer and Armstrong, number 23 from Valiant. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. Make sure to check out the show notes at commonbookinformer.com. Let us know what you think on Twitter as well at CB Informer. We'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah.